This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com.
That was 15-year-old violinist Henry Ozanfant from Chicago, Illinois, performing Eugene Isai's Caprice After the Etude in the Form of a Waltz by Saint-Saëns. From NPR, it's From the Top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan, and I had the thrill of joining Henry on that performance. Folks, were you all on the edge of your seats during that one? Because I was certainly on the edge of my piano bench. It was a wild ride. I met our first two musicians on the program today at the fantastic performance space at Chicago's WFMT Studios. There's Henry, who you just heard, and his older brother, Louie, who you'll meet in a moment. They've worked incredibly hard to get to this level, but it's not only their talent and dedication that stood out to me when I met them. The kindness and respect they have for each other is just beautiful. I have three older brothers myself, so I know how wonderful that sibling bond can be, and it just warmed my heart to see it between Henry and Louie, and you're going to hear it for yourself in just a moment. After Henry and I caught our breath, we sat down to talk about his love of music and what keeps him on the edge of his seat. I had the great pleasure of joining you for the ride there, Henry. What a performance. You were on fire. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed playing with you. That's such a high-octane piece, and you performed it with all the excitement that it needs. It kind of isn't surprising because you're kind of a high-octane sort of guy. I was so interested to learn that you and your brother, whom we're going to hear from next, are both into watching Formula One racing. Oh, yes. So, actually, my brother originally um, turned on the TV once about two years ago, and he saw the Formula One race in Italy on Mm -hmm. TV. And then eventually he got me to start watching the races and I immediately fell in love with it. And what I love about Formula One is the intense rivalry and the drama and the competition that comes along with it. Uh Because there's always, every year, they usually have two or three really good drivers who compete at the highest level to win the Drivers World Championship. And Uh I love the drama and the rivalries between teams. Um, And I think that's what makes it so interesting. Wow. Uh, I've never gotten into it. What, what would you recommend for me to, if I had to like turn one thing on to sort of give me a flavor for what Formula One is all about? Where should, what should I watch? I think you should watch um, the Formula One race in uh, Spa-Francorchamps in Belgium. Okay. And I think um, you should watch that because it's the most beautiful circuit in my opinion, because it's in the um, Belgian countryside with all the trees and mountains, and it also produces great racing. Oh, okay, cool. It's always interesting to, you know, broaden our perspective, and I, I love how, you know, from the top, we love young musicians who have a wide range of interests beyond music, and I know that you've said that having a mixed heritage has also broadened your musical views. 
Can you tell me a little bit more about that and about your cultural background? Yeah, so my mom is from Taiwan and my dad is from France. And I really think that this cultural heritage has um, shaped my music playing because I play different repertoires and, um, and different pieces. And mm -hmm. recently I played a piece um, called Xiao Bazang, which means hot rice dumpling in Mandarin. Hmm. And I think really playing these pieces um, of different cultures really broadened my view of how to interpret pieces and how to, um, how to take my music making to a higher level. Yeah, well, um, I just want to thank you for being here, for that stunning performance, and for spending some time with us. Um, before we say goodbye, though, would you introduce this gentleman who is sitting right next to you? Oh, yes. Yeah. So this is my older brother. His name is Louis Osenfant, and he's a 17-year-old clarinetist. Louis, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Um, what did you think of young Henry's performance there? Your little brother did a fine job, didn't he? I thought it was very energetic and inspired. Wow, what a nice older brother. Does he always give you compliments like that, Henry? Um, sometimes, but sometimes he gives me constructive comments on how to, um, how to improve my piece and how to take it to a higher level. And are you cool with receiving that kind of constructive feedback from your older brother? Oh, yes, definitely, because I feel like Without those comments, my playing wouldn't be as, as high level as it is right now. You guys are seeming very sweet to each other. <laughs> I can't tell if this is just an act for radio or if you're gen... I oh, mean, no, it's definitely true. Oh, we, say, we say in a very uh, uh, respectful way. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's constructive. I, as someone who grew up with brothers, I know that it's not always that way. So I, I, <laughs> I applaud you two for the mutual respect you have there. It's really nice that you have this camaraderie with music together. Henry, um, we're going to say goodbye to you now. It's been great having you. And uh, stick around and enjoy your brother's piece. You just get to relax now. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Henry Ozenfant, 15, from Chicago. And that leaves us now with just Louis. Louis, tell me, what are you going to perform? I'm going to play Bella Kovacs' Homage at J.S. Bach. And why did you choose this piece, or what draws you to it? Well, I chose this piece because, first of all, I love the music of Bach. I... I originally started as a pianist, and the music of Bach is just really soothing, meditative, mm -hmm. and I think really like just enlightening. It really like touches every part of the human soul in a way, even even though Bach never wrote for the clarinet. And that's another reason why I wrote, uh, chose to play this piece because it's all of the best of Bach condensed in a, a single uh, line rather than two hands. Right. Well, yeah, thanks to Bella Kovach, now you do get to kind of almost have the experience of playing Bach, even though you don't have any original music for the clarinet by Bach. Well, I'm even more excited now to hear this piece. Whenever you're ready, take it from the top.
You heard Louis Aux Enfants, 17, from Chicago, Illinois, perform Homage à J.S. Bach by Bela Kovac on the clarinet beautifully. It sounded, Louis, like as if Bach had written a piece for the clarinet, which of course he didn't, but this is written by this uh, Hungarian composer, Kovac, in the 50s, and it kind of imitates the style of Bach, and I thought you captured the style just perfectly. Thank you so much. Really nice to hear that sort of Baroque sound on the clarinet. Um, well, we already know that you've got a talented brother, but there's more family connections here. You actually started out playing on your dad's old clarinet, right? How did that happen? Yeah, so in fifth grade, my school asked you know, people what kind of instrument you want to play. And I was looking in my closet in my room, and I found my dad's old clarinet from his high school and middle school days. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, you know, why not tr uh, try to play the clarinet? Um, because I really wanted to be like my dad. Hmm. And so I brought out the clarinet. Um, I tried it. I couldn't even play a note in the beginning. <laughs> uh -huh. He was trying to teach me. Um, but then ever since, I've continued with, it, uh, with the clarinet. Um, and you also had another experience which has shaped you, but not necessarily related to music. Tell me about your job as a research assistant at the University of Chicago. Yeah, so over um, the last two summers, I've worked as a research assistant for um, a noble shortlisted economics professor, Professor John List. And so that experience has been really interesting to get to know how economics really shapes everyday life from you know, education to, um, to electricity, um, to the climate, and also to um, like gender outcomes in the labor market. And I think you know, that research has been really illuminating also in a way um, to give like, me a better understanding of the world in a different way than music. I'm curious, with your interest in economics, have you ever found cross connections between that and the world of music? Yeah, yes, definitely. So the first paper in economics I found about music was about um, blind singing auditions. And it showed that over um, the course of decades, maybe from the 60s all the way to the turn of the century, these major orchestras like the Philadelphia Orchestra, CSO, New York Phil, et cetera, mm -hmm. um, when they instituted blind auditions, right. um, uh, females were more likely to advance into higher rounds and mm -hmm. also get their jobs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this might not be so surprising, but I think it's really insightful discovery. And besides that, I've seen like some couple economic papers that look at the writings of Mozart, Beethoven, and Liszt, and they see that when they're at their most emotionally uh, tough point, that's mm -hmm. when they produce their most brilliant pieces of art. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think the other part of this picture that's amazing, in addition to your clarinet playing, your interest in economics, you also are a geography whiz. And with that in mind, we've got a segment okay, for you, yes, a little game. You re you're ready. I I'm can ready, see I'm ready. you're ready to go. All right. This is a little game we like to call, what's that flag? <laughs> I'll actually drop in okay. um, a version of me singing that with some music. Okay. It's going to I'll sound hear that. absolutely. You want to hear that? Yeah, I want to hear that. All right. Here we go. What's that flag? Um, the way this works is I'm going to show you this flag and I'll describe it a bit. And you're going to tell me. Um, what country is this the flag of? Okay. Here's the first one. And as you can see, Romania. it's three. Okay, he, I was about to describe it. Um, it's, yeah, it's three vertical lines, blue, yellow, red. You're correct. It's Romania. The next one. Now, hang on, because folks listening might want to test their knowledge. So let me describe this one now. This one is three horizontal 
colors, yellow on the top, blue in the middle, red on the bottom, with a sort of semicircle of stars in the middle, eight stars. Venezuela. Venezuela is correct. Venezuela is correct. This didn't even hesitate. All right, let's see. This next one may trip you up. It's yellow, red, and black, and then again, yellow, red, and black, horizontal lines, and in the center, there is a crane, as in the bird, a beautiful crane. I think it's Uganda. Uganda is correct. Wow. I am so impressed, and I hope all of you enjoyed playing along at home, too. What's that flag? There we go. You aced the test, not surprisingly. Louis, uh, thanks so much for your good spirit and um, for your incredible performance. Thank you for the fun quiz. Louis Ozenfant, 17 years old, from Chicago, Illinois. Well, as you can tell, we had a ton of fun together. These guys are just awesome young men, and I know they will be making a big impact in their community and just making the world a better place. You're listening to From the Top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan. Next up, we've got a piano trio that will entertain, inspire, and move you with their fiery performance of the third movement of Gaspard Casado's piano trio in C major.
That was the Avita Trio, violinist Enzo Oh, cellist Elliot Kim, and pianist Sarah Wren, teenagers out of San Francisco's Bay Area, playing the third movement of Gaspar Casado's piano trio in C major. These musicians are superstars. In fact, they won the gold medal in the junior division of the 2021 Fischoff National Chamber Music Competition. I had the pleasure of chatting with them and finding out more about what makes their collaboration so special. What a fiery performance you three just gave of that piece. I can't believe you're from the Bay Area. I would have sworn you were from Spain listening to that. Just fantastic. <laughs> now, were you all friends before the trio was formed? Uh, how, how did you all meet? How did this trio come to be? Um, we originally met through this chamber program based in Burlingame, California. It's called Young Chamber Musicians. Um, yeah, we first started playing at that organization. The director and founder, Susan Bates, she's the one who assigns us groups. And so she put us all in the trio when we were all sophomores, and we've stayed together since. Wonderful. And I know that you all have raved about the coaching that you've received through young chamber musicians, especially concerning how to make this specific instrumentation of a piano trio work. Like with you, Sarah, what sorts of things have you been working on in terms of your role as the pianist in this group? Something that my coaches have often spoken to me about is um, not letting myself become the accompanist for the strings. Mm-hmm. So something I've been working on is to not let myself kind of lay back and let the strings do most of the work. I have to take a more active role in making sure that the music moves along in the way that we all want it to. Right. I totally agree with that. And uh, sometimes, you know, there are obvious places like you've got a big solo or a melody, but other times it's chords, you know, it's things that might seem sort of accompanimental, but those add so much color and richness to the texture. I mean, even the opening of this piece is like that, right? I think it's especially important in the opening of the piece because, as you mentioned, I do only have chords, but the chords really provide like a more emotional complexity because it lets the audience know exactly about the urgency or the catastrophe of the situation. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, maybe it would be fun to hear what the opening of this piece would sound like if we were to take the piano out of it all together. Could we have just the strings play the that opening phrase once? Sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> Wow, yeah, I mean, it's a nice tune, it's a nice melody, but we're definitely missing something. Uh, Let's hear it again now, and I think we'll appreciate even more the importance of the piano, Sarah. Okay. Nice, nice. Yeah, so much richness that the piano brings to it, and you play it with such decisive energy, Sarah. It's, it's really great. But I know there's another secret to making at least this piano trio sound great. It's something you three have discovered on your own, not with the help of any coach at all. 
and that is eating a very specific type of food together. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what am I? Ta- what are we yeah. talking about here? Honestly, it could be either ramen or boba. Both of them work very well. Yeah. <laughs> and is it is it part of a ritual for you all with your with your rehearsals? I feel like after every rehearsal that we do independently, there's always somebody providing boba. Yeah, and so. for ramen, I feel like it's always after like a big yeah. It's like thing. a celebration. For yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I hope you all go have a delicious bowl of ramen after this because you certainly earned it. But being in this trio has not only been good for your stomachs, it's also been good for your souls. In fact, uh, and so I think you said that without this trio, things may have looked really different for you musically. Yeah. Um, I was kind of struggling last year with um, finding love for music, but I feel like playing in this trio with Sarah and Elliot really helped me discover like rediscover my love for music and why I want to play and yeah like just playing with these two it's so inspiring and always super fun that's great I, I really love to hear that I think that you all lift each other up in the most beautiful way and I love not just hearing you all play together but seeing your camaraderie together is really inspiring to me so Thanks so much for spending some time with us today, all three of you. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. And so O, Elliot Kim, and Sarah Wren, members of the Avita Trio from the Bay Area in California. We have to take a break now, but don't go away. We have some stellar performances coming up from a 17-year-old flutist from Louisville, Kentucky, who loves to express her emotions through her music, and a 19-year-old violinist who started up a music program for an economically underprivileged school, all coming up on the second half of our program. You're listening to From the Top, and I'm pianist Peter Dugan. Did you know that From the Top posts short, beautiful videos of our young musicians every day? The series is called Daily Joy. Treat yourself to youthful inspiration daily. Sign up at fromthetop.org. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need. jkcf.org. From the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency connecting young people with the arts in schools and in their communities. Learn more at massculturalcouncil.org. And from the Joyce Foundation, committed to advancing racial equity and economic mobility for the next generation in the Great Lakes region. Learn more at joycefdn.org. You're listening to From the Top, and I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan. I feel 
so grateful that I get to be a small part of these young people's lives. It's a real honor to be able to meet them all and collaborate with some of them at the piano. And this is possible due to the generous gift of Susan and Gerald Slavitt, who sponsor my position as host at From the Top. A heartfelt thank you to them. We're now going to meet 17-year-old flutist Reese Hudson, a musician who really knows how to express herself through her instrument. Hey, Reese, nice to meet you and welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, glad to be here. So tell me a little bit about the piece you're going to perform. First of all, what is this piece? Uh, it is called Cantabile and Presto by Inesco. It's a two-movement work with a slower and then a faster movement. And what do you love about it, or maybe also what's been a struggle for you with this piece? Um, I really love the French style music because it's very expressive and emotional. And uh, it's been a little bit of a struggle to find uh, my own musicality and mm -hmm. trying to express myself through this piece. It's, it's also been a little bit difficult. And, uh, you, you know, you mentioned that it begins with this slower introduction and then it goes into the faster spot. Is there one movement that appeals to you more where you feel like you identify with either the more cantabile opening or that fiery conclusion that we're going to hear? Um, I'd say may maybe the, the presto because it's a little more uh, energetic and mm -hmm. um, kind of angry at some points. <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, let's hear the whole spectrum of the emotions now. This is going to be the Cantabile and Presto by Georgianescu. And joining her at the piano is Deborah Dirks. Whenever you're ready, you can take it from the top. Thank you. Thank you. 
Reese, I so enjoyed the performance. You brought all the color in the world to that music. Uh, it absolutely blossomed. It, it was a treat to listen to. Bravo. Thank you. So you started playing the flute back in fifth grade, right? Yes. And I understand that there was a teacher who had a major impact on you. Can you tell me a little bit more about that teacher? Yes. Um, he was my fifth grade band director. And um, so in fifth grade, you don't really audition for all county. Um, the teacher usually just picks like two students to go. But um, mm -hmm. my band director decided that um, the class would vote as uh, just like individually vote for uh, two people they thought deserved to go. And um, I did not end up getting the most votes, but my director s said that he thought I deserved a chance to go, mm. to, to be in the all-county ensemble. So. so he sent you anyway. Yeah. Tell me that vote of confidence, like what did that mean to you in that moment? Um, that, was, that was the first time that someone believed in me like musically. So it just mm -hmm. kind of set a great foundation for my motivation to continue to play the flute. Yeah. So you were originally in the Chicago area, right? Yes. And um, how long ago did you move to Louisville? Um, about four or five years ago. And I know that that can be, you know, such a, such a tough um, transition at that age. But um, what specifically did music do for you in terms of um, communities uh, as you got yourself situated down there in Louisville? Yeah, um, I, I started getting more and more into the kind of band world, music world. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I auditioned for the Youth Performing Arts School here in Louisville. And uh, after that, I joined the marching band. And that also really helped nice. just finding a sense of home within the community. Yeah. I've heard that marching bands can be almost like a family you find that to be true? Yes, very true. Um, you've clearly set high goals for yourself, and you've worked so hard, and, and, and you've achieved so many of those goals already. And that kind of dedication is so impressive. I'm very pleased to say that at From the Top, we are continuing to support your path with the Jack Kent Cook Award. What will you do with the money from the scholarship? Um, I plan on purchasing a new flute and, <clears throat> and a new piccolo and a whole bunch of repertoire. So do you have your eye on a new flute already? I do. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to purchase it, but I'm really hoping I'll be able to. Sweet. Well, if you sound this good on your current flute, I can't even imagine uh, how beautiful it'll be on the new instrument. I just want to thank you again, Reese, for being with us today. Your music was just so beautiful, and it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. That was 17-year-old Reese Hudson from Louisville, Kentucky, playing Inescu's Cantabile e Presto. Deborah Dirks was on the piano. Reese is a recipient of the Jack Kent Cooke Young Artist Award. For over 15 years, From the Top has partnered with the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation, and together we have given out over $3 million of scholarships to young musicians with financial need. Funding is still available, so if you want to apply, please go to fromthetop.org and click Apply. And now for our final performer on the show, 19-year-old A.J. Malia from Cupertino, California, 
Not only is he a total pro at the violin, but he's studying neuroscience in his freshman year at the Columbia Juilliard Dual Degree Program. And that's not luck, folks. That is some serious hard work to get there. And he has earned his place, for sure. Here's AJ now performing the first movement of Mozart's Violin Sonata No. 18 in G Major, K301. On the piano is Dimitri Kogan. Thank you. 
AJ, I so enjoyed that performance. Uh, just stunning. Thank you very much. AJ, aside from appreciating your artistry, I'm really into the breadth of your interests, from writing to neuroscience to economics, and also you've done quite a bit of giving back. So talk to me a little bit about the organization you started, Bravo Strings. What is that? Um, so there's like a economically um, underprivileged school. Uh, it's a middle school right next to my, my high school. And they didn't really have like a music program. And actually neither did my high school until my sophomore year. Um, and I was thinking like, like I was complaining about like our school not having like a music program. Yeah. And then I was thinking like, they don't have it either, and I think it's just as important for students there to um, be exposed to classical music and or any sort of music, right? So um, right. I went to a couple of violin shops, and then I asked them for uh, musical instruments, and luckily we got, like, uh, I think I think it was four violins, a viola, and uh, a cello. Uh-huh. And so I was able to, like, build a kind of a very, like, rudimentary uh, uh, curriculum. Wow. And so uh, I taught with a, a guy a year old, a year younger than me, um, a junior, and uh, we just taught them, and it, it was nice. Like the goal wasn't really to get them to uh, like a, some sort of performance level. Like obviously during the first year, that pro- might have not like happened, but the goal was just right. to get them exposed. You know. Wow, I mean, I love that. It's not just that you went out and found instruments for these kids to play on, but then you built out a curriculum, mm-hmm. like really empowered them. Another area that's captured your interest has been creative writing. And you've said that creative writing is particularly important for young teenage men. Why do you feel that is? Yeah, so this kind of stemmed from, uh, I took a creative writing class in um, junior year of mm-hmm. high school, and that was probably the best decision ever because I, I know like in sophomore and junior year, like you're, you're getting all this stress, like especially junior year because of like back then there was the SAT and stuff. Now I'm sure it's changed, but yeah, yeah, because uh, of the whole test optional and whatnot. But uh I think, like, with all the stress of, like, the later years of high school, I think, like, a lot of people, like, not a lot of people play instruments. Like, not every single person plays instruments. So I think things like creative writing, uh, they're really great ways to, like, express those, like, kind of very deep inner thoughts. Yeah. Um, and, like, express yourself. And I think specifically for guys in high school, or maybe it's just, like, because I went to an all-guys school, so. Right, yeah. Maybe. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, man. No um, way, no I, way. I, 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 yeah, I, I lived that. That's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> coincidence um yeah but i think like guys need to be more like expressive of when they're at like at a younger age and i think that class like really helped a lot of the guys i remember one time in one lecture um we were doing like kind of a close reading and analysis of this uh this short story called my son the murderer which is still like one of my favorite uh uh, short stories it's only like six pages but like it's such a moving short story that like by the time uh my teacher like finished explaining the whole thing and the like the deeper meaning I'm um, like one of my friends like who I've like never seen cry he was he was just crying and mm. because it really like hit home for him I guess yeah. yeah I mean I feel like we're you know we we obviously you and I have this shared experience of having been in all guys school and knowing that there can be this tremendous pressure on young men to feel like it's not okay to to express oneself or to get in touch with with our creative side or emotional side um so I, I I totally agree with you that, that creative writing can be a fantastic outlet for that. Well, now you've graduated high school and you are doing the prestigious, the the famous, the almost infamous program, the Columbia Juilliard Combined Dual Degree here in New York. It, congratulations. Uh, thank you very all. much. Yeah. And um, 
I can't say I necessarily envy you because I know how much hard work that is. I know how intense it is. Is it true that you hope to explore neuroscience at Columbia? And what's attracting you to that field? Um, yeah, yeah. So neuroscience, uh, my, my grandfather, he had like uh, sort of neurodegenerative uh, disease. And that's he passed away several years ago. Mm, um, and uh, he basically like lost his ability to speak and move gradually. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of the, I wanted to like do eventually like as a career, like do some sort of research on that, those right. types of diseases. Cause I think those are like the most painful ones to watch even as a family member. Yeah. That can be just so hard to witness. And, uh, I love that you took that, um, source of pain essentially in your life, but then now you're kind of turning that around and helping to use it to fuel you to, to pursue something meaningful and that you can do good with. It's inspiring to me. Um, then again, sort of everything about you is quite inspiring. You're a, you. you're a man of many talents and um, the future is so bright for you. And thanks for being here with us today. Thank you very much. AJ Malia from Cupertino, California, now living and studying here in New York City. Well, that concludes our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed From the Top this week and are feeling as inspired as I am by these exemplary young people. I want to thank all the young performers we've met today, not only for sharing their music, but also for sharing their humanity. And to you, listening at home or in the car or at the kitchen table with a hot cup of minestrone soup, thank you for spending this time with us. I'm pianist Peter Dugan. Please join me next week and we'll take it From the Top. From the Top is produced by Tim Banker, Megan Swan, and Jessica Tickton. Sound design and music editing by John Escobar, with editing and mastering by Rodrigo Cuenca. Our production manager is Amanda Roth. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. A special thank you to Josh Sauvageau, George Preston, and Oliver Camacho at WFMT in Chicago for letting us use their beautiful performance studio. Also, thanks to Howie Gano at Louisville Recording Arts, Tom Disher at Disher Sound, and Edwin Hewitt at Octavan Audio. From the Top is an independent nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear on our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism, offering visitors information about the arts, culture, and history of Boston. The journey begins at visitma.com. And from the Doris Duke Charitable Foundation, which aims to support the well-being of people and the planet for a more creative, equitable, and sustainable future. And from the ECMC Foundation at ecmcfoundation.org. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at fromthetop.org. 
Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way, stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR. Moms know the ups and downs of life. It's what makes them great subjects for books. This is one of the things that fiction can do, right? It can give us a window into the battles that each person is waging or facing, but it doesn't mean that we condone her actions. This week on NPR's Book of the Day podcast, we are discussing books centering mothers. So call your mom, then tune into the Book of the Day podcast from NPR. On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing, like not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop. <laughs> dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.